Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, as we're looking forward to Halloween, I thought we'd take a peek behind the theater curtain and talk to some experts about the computer-generated imaging that makes horror flicks like Halloween just so darn scary. We've obviously come a long way since the first Mummy movie back in 1932, and even from the campy but still undeniably creepy Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. And while Bram Stoker's Dracula starring Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, and Keanu Reeves was pretty spooky back in 1992, it still doesn't hold a candle or a string of garlic to newer and much more advanced films like we're used to seeing today. Vampires do exist. This one we fight, this one we face. Take on many forms. First, we talk to Professor Juan Contreras, who teaches media production at the University of Akron. It's all about trying to pull the audience into believing that something is happening or something is there when it just doesn't exist, right? And with computers, it just makes it a lot simpler nowadays because you can create all kinds of virtual environments where your characters can sort of like coexist with a world that is not there or even with characters that are not really there. You can also use computer technology to sort of like morph the faces of characters into something that is completely new and different like we saw in movies like Avatar or you can even bring characters back from the dead like Peter Cushion who had passed away and he played a character in the original Star Wars and he was brought back to life in the movie Rogue One. And he tells us about an interesting new film technique. One of the latest television shows, The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, is one of those that sort of like was able to do something completely different where they use some sort of projection that was fixed to the actors instead of just use a computer in post-production to create the environment in the background they were able to just project it to this like circular screen but it was fixed to the actor so when the camera moved the background also moved along with it making it look very realistic we also talked to Jeremy Gelski, who's a visual effects coordinator and associate producer at Crafty Apes Visual Effects and Production Services in Atlanta, starting out with some special effects they did in big movies you may have seen. Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home. You have uh, Fear Street, which was the Netflix horror anthology series that just came out. Loki on Disney+. Plus. His name is some of the bigger Marvel ones people know about. And when it comes to horror flicks in particular... One of the biggest things we do is gore or blood enhancements. So typically there will be like blood on set or just like wounds on a person. But a lot of times it just doesn't come up on camera the way they want it to. And so one thing we'll do is we'll take real reference and just enhance what they've done on set to make it look even better. And I can go into, I can go into like comparisons between like the original you know, Halloween movie and, like, new Halloween movie and, and stuff like that. That would be great. Yeah. And so my company didn't work on the newer Halloween. But I'm a huge Halloween John Carpenter fan. And back in, like, 1978, the first Halloween movie, if memory serves, that's, they had, like, a budget of $320,000. And 
even for 1978, very small budget. And, you know, when you watch that movie, it doesn't, almost doesn't look like that that's the budget they had. It actually looks really good. And, but one thing you'll notice is it really is minimal on blood. It's minimal on gore. For a very practical reason is that they couldn't do it on camera and make it super believable without a huge special effects budget or visual effects budget. And along those same lines, they had very little room to make errors or make mistakes because once they were done filming, that's kind of it. And the same goes for pretty much any movie that was filmed before the height of visual effects is that they had to be much more careful on set. And you fast forward to the modern day where like Halloween 2018 had a $10 million budget. And I'm pretty sure Halloween Kills had like a $20 million budget where you can bet that there were errors fixed in post-production that wouldn't be able to be fixed back then. And one big example, a lot of times we will fix environments that a movie has filmed in. So let's say someone's filming, you know, in Ohio, but it needs to look like New York. In visual effects, we can change signs that maybe production is about to change or we can change a skyline. But for example, in the 1978 Halloween, you'll notice that there are palm trees in the opening shots because they kind of filmed a lot of that in Hollywood. The movie does not take place in Hollywood. And even the director was a little upset about that, that, you know, some palm trees made it in, but, you know, what, what can they do? But nowadays, and we've, we've done so many, like, tree replacements and environment replacements, that that would never have happened. So there's a lot more room for error in, in modern productions than there were back then. And that just gives the creative team on the films, like the directors, a lot more freedom to kind of make mistakes and not have to worry too much about sacrificing footage for continuity or perfection. Whereas nowadays, if something like that happens, it can definitely be a visual effects solution to fix that. So what are some of the more memorable effects that your company has worked on that maybe somebody might have seen in a movie and you can point to it and say, yeah, we did that? Sure. In recent times, because I've worked on it personally, was is Loki. And if you were to watch like episode two and uh, episode six, you'll see these giant CG archives, basically a giant never-ending library in the show. And for me personally, Loki was the, the first biggest project I worked on with the company. And that's where I learned most of what I learned what was on Loki. And that was a very impressive thing for me to see play out. And it's just crazy that entire environments can be built in CG and be photo real. And something more on the horror end, like with Fear Street that just came out, one of the big things our company did on that movie was the Heart of Darkness, which is, without spoiling anything, for anyone who might not have seen it, there's a kind of uh, CG, cool-looking, bad thing in that show that our company made. As I understand it, you went to Kent State University, and what was your degree in there? And then did you do something afterwards to get even more uh, education in this area? I went to Kent State University, and my major was digital media production. Great program, lots of great professors there. And the only thing that is interesting about that is that that digital media production degree doesn't really deal with visual effects which is fine. It, it's, that's not how it's advertised. I learned a lot of great just general film knowledge there. But then kind of out of nowhere, my sophomore year, I happened to go you know, through a crazy story with my mom working at dental office. She happened to meet somebody she's known for a while, but she found out that this person's daughter worked in visual effects. And so it was my sophomore year and, and my mom was able to get me in touch with this person. And from that first conversation I had with this, with this woman, Jennifer, I just kind of set my sights on visual effects. So while I continued and finished my major in digital media production to learn, you know, the very essential foundation of film uh, on the side. 
I was always talking to my mentor, Jennifer, and always looking up videos like on YouTube and combining my knowledge from her and from YouTube to learn the visual effects trade. Wow. So if somebody was aspiring to this, they actually could learn a whole lot online for free if they wanted to through YouTube, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I actually talked to one of my coworkers, the lead, uh, the lead visual effects supervisor in our Atlanta office, because I know that he would know more about you know, the specific programs and, and training that goes into it. And that is one thing that he said, even on the artist side, is the training is actually pretty simple. You can go online and there are hundreds of free tutorials, hundreds of paid tutorials. If you find someone to mentor you, similar to how I found someone, those are the things that will help you by far the most build a portfolio. And that, that's, the portfolio is the biggest thing in the artist world. And doing all that side stuff and just getting stuff together, whether it's paid work or you want to school professionally, it doesn't really matter that much as long as you're just good and, and willing to learn. And I know we have incredibly talented artists at our company, at least a handful, that didn't go to school for visual effects. And they just went through the grind on the side and just did a lot of their own stuff. And our company just saw the potential and was like, hey, you come work for us. We'll help guide you the rest of the way to really hone your skills. And some of our best artists learned like that. That was Jeremy Gelsky, who's with Crafty Apes Visual Effects and Production Services in Atlanta. For more information about what they do, go to craftyapes.com. He is both young and old. He can appear as mist, as vapor, as the fog, and he can vanish at will. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>